insight, keys, and perspective to everyday living through the lens of God. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm so, so glad you're here. If this is your first time listening to Vantage Point, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're a Christ-focused podcast. We pretty much talk about any topic. And for those that have been with us, welcome back. Uh, Before we jump into the episode, I want to encourage you to go back and check out the series we just finished last week called Limitless. We spent five episodes unpacking how we operate and how we interact and even understand the term limitless. And for the last two episodes, we're able to have some great guests with us. And so I want to thank them both, John Pettis and Justin Trapp, for helping me out with that series. I encourage you to go back, go back and check that series out. Um, But for today, this episode, I'm excited because we get to kick off a new series. I always enjoy kicking off new series. And for this one, it's titled To Whom It May Concern, Letters to the Church. And that's right. In this series, we're going to be focusing on the letters from Jesus to the church, to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And my prayer is that with each episode, we can find uh, new perspectives as it relates to the church. And uh, and even the next two series that we're doing, this one and the next one on Vantage Point is going to focus very, very heavy on the church. And so God has been really showing me some things and, and some perspective regarding his church. And, and within these two series, I, play the, I pray that you're blessed and encouraged as we dive in. And so for part one of our series, we're going to begin in Revelation chapter two, which is the first of the series of letters to the seven churches that existed during the Apostle John's time uh, in Asia Minor or modern day Turkey as we know it. And each of these letters that we're gonna cover includes information specific to each church, but more so I really feel like we can even draw lessons from these letters that apply to church today, right? And when I say church, I'm not only talking about the building or the organization, but more so even the organism, which is us, right? We are the church. And so for the first letter, it's to the church of Ephesus. And just a little context, uh, Ephesus, it, it was a city on the western coast of Asia Minor. It was near the Castor River, right? And, and major roads actually connected uh, Ephesus to other significant cities in the region. Uh, the city was known for one of the largest uh, amphitheaters at the time, which uh, was designed to hold up to 50,000 people. Uh, The city is also known, uh, is the location of the great temple of Artemis or Diana that was built in 550 BC. And and this temple uh, is actually one of the uh, seven wonders of the ancient world, Uh, huge, uh, huge um, uh, uh, temple. And and much of, Ephesian industry really was related to this temple. Uh, we have people that so, sold shrines and household images of, of the goddess that worshipers would, would take on them uh, with the journey. And so uh, the Ephesians were proud of their religion, religious heritage and, and the accompanying uh, stories and legends that go with it. And you can read that about that in Acts 19, uh, verse 35. And so uh, we even see Ephesus mentioned very often in scripture. We know the apostle Paul, journey to Ephesus during his second missionary trip, and he stayed there for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province uh, would hear the word of the Lord, Acts 19 and 10. Uh, Ephesus was a prime site for evangelizing, 
uh, due to the city's accessibility and prominence in the region. Uh, it was in Ephesus that Paul and his companions were taken into the amphitheater uh, where for two hours the mob shouted, great is Artemis of Ephesians. Uh, and despite strong objections to the gospel, many Ephesians came to faith in Christ through the faithful ministry of Paul. Uh, and, and that's where and the church began there. And a few years later, Paul wrote them a letter that we know as the book of Ephesians, right? 400 years later, uh, Ephesus would be the site uh, of a major church meeting known as the Council of Ephesus. And, and even throughout the New Testament, there are several events uh, that, that happen in there. Um, Acts 19.11, God did extraordinary miracles with through Paul, uh, such as uh, says that even handkerchiefs and aprons touched by him healed sick, healed the sick and casted out demons. Uh, Paul wrote the epistle of 1 Corinthians, uh, the seven sons of Sceva, uh, Jewish exorcists attempted to imitate Paul's power and were attacked by demons because the demons didn't recognize their spiritual authority. You can read that in Acts 19, 13 through 16. Many new believers had practiced magic. Um, uh, magic arts bought uh, brought their books and, and burned them in front of everyone. Um, Priscilla and Aquila uh, discipled Apollos. Uh, Timothy had his first pastorate there. And, and there was so much, so much going on in this city. And, and now with some context to the city, I, wa I want to jump into the scripture in Revelation. And it's in Revelation 2, verses 1 through 7. And it's Jesus' letter to the church of Ephesus containing his famous rebuke, you have left your first love. And really, that's going to be kind of the focus of this first episode as we dig into this. And so I want to jump right into the scripture, and, and we're going to start again at verse 1 in Revelation chapter 2. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in, the, in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found, uh, and have found them false. You have preserved and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its, from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And, and, and when we really start to unpack that scripture, uh, the, we see that the, the believers in Ephesus, they're struggling beneath the weight of a, of a godless and immoral culture, right? They, they, um, they maintained the letter of the law, but they lost the spirit of the law. Jesus commended them for their hard work, perseverance, rejection, of false teaching and hatred of sin, but he was grieved that they had become routine in their service for him rather than serve him with the passion they once had. Their actions were there, but their hearts weren't. 
and, and think about the church today, right? Because we, we were going to make we're going to make these comparisons throughout this series of we're going to read these letters in Revelation, but we're going to apply these these words, these these um, ideas and these thoughts about the church then to the church now. And I want you to think about now, right? I want you to think about the organization and the organization organism. You know, like, like we, we can get so caught up in serving, so caught up in doing that we lose sight of what captured our hearts in the first place, and that's Jesus. Another thing to point out, and I said this before, when we go back to the beginning of the scripture, this letter to the Ephesian church is, the message is from the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, going back to verse one, to the angel or messenger of the church in Ephesus. See, this is not John's message to the Ephesian believers. It's a message from the Lord, right? The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands. See, the lampstands are the churches themselves set as lights in a dark world. The stars and the pastors, the stars, excuse me, are the pastors of the church held in God's hands. See, Jesus affirms the Ephesians' positive actions. Again, we talked about that. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have preserved and endeared hardships for my name and have not grown weary. You see, the, the Ephesian church was, they were a hard-working group of believers full of fortitude. Also, to their credit, they were gatekeepers of the truth and did not compromise with evildoers, and they showed patience, patient endurance in bearing up under hardship. However, again, back to verse 4, Jesus notes their shortcoming. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. See, they were hardworking, but they didn't have the same passion for Christ as when they first believed. Their work was no longer motivated by love. It was motivated by work and deeds, right? And again, referring back to the church that we know, right? How much or how many times or how often can we think of we're just going through the motions, we're just doing up, we're just showing up for church, but we forgot that we forgot again what captivated us in the first place, right? The love of Jesus. That's why we serve. We didn't serve for notoriety. We didn't, we didn't come to church to be seen. We just wanted to get in the presence and experience the one true living God. That was our first love. And that's what Jesus is reminding the church of Ephesus about, right? And he calls them to repent. He says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. The correction was to remember the heights of their former love. Repent, change their mind, and return to the previous way of doing things. It was time for a revival in the church. Is that something you think about now? How often do we experience churches that are just there for work? They're not there to have you or put you in a position where you can experience Jesus. And that's what we're talking about. There's a forgotten first love that, that was here. And he calls again. He warns his church of impending judgments if they did not repent. Their punishment would be destruction of their church. The light in Ephesus will go out. Jesus adds another condemnation or a commendation concerning doctrinal 
purity, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitan, which I also hate. Um, and 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 really, when we think about that, that there was they were promoting things that that weren't of God. They were compromising on certain things that that was very much uh, steadfast in law in the church, and they were continually compromising on those things. And then Jesus promises a blessing to those who heed the word. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat fruit, eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The tree of life and the paradise of God refers to the new heavens and new earth discussed in Revelation 21 22. Those who conquer or the overcomers are simply believers. The Ephesians believed, you know, the believers of Ephesus could look forward to the future glory of an eternal, of eternity with the Lord. And, and quite honestly, like the Ephesian church, we can easily fall prey to a cold, mechanical observance of religion. And, and we get to the point where we exclude the true love for Christ. And as this letter shows us, there's no amount of zeal for the truth or moral uh, uh, moral uh, regimen that can replace a heart full of love for Jesus. And, and I want to take the, the rest of this episode to really dive into that part. Because we can put all our effort into working for the Lord. But if we're not doing it for the love of the Lord, then what's the point? What's the point? Because we have to get to the point, we have to be in our mindset that we truly love God and what we do in the church, what we do in service is not for service, it's because we love him. And we can't forget the first love. And I want you to take a minute and just sit back and think about when you first encountered Jesus. Might have been five days ago. Could have been five years ago. Could have been 50 years ago. But I want you to think back to a time. Think back to that time when you were fully captivated by Jesus Christ. That's the moment you need to hold on to. That's the moment that Jesus is reminding the church of Ephesus. When Paul, when the apostle Paul came and, and you were captivated, not by him, but by me and the spirit of God that was in him, and you established a church based on that passion, based on that love, I want you to go back to that place. I want you to go back and connect to that person. I want you to connect to that organism. That's what I want you to do right now. The church has gotten too caught up in work. The church have gotten, has gotten too caught up in service. And don't get, don't get it wrong. There's nothing wrong with service. There's nothing wrong with that. But if the service is only for the work and to be seen, that's when it becomes an issue. You can't forget your first love. As we close out this episode, I, I want to take a moment and pray, and I want you to think about this question and, and where you are with Jesus. 
Have you gotten to the place where your first love has been forgotten? Have you reached a point in ministry where you're so weary or, or you're so focused on serving that you forgot the reason why? If someone came and asked you, why do you serve? What would your answer be? And I want to take the next few minutes to pray, to really touch on and expound on getting a refreshing, a renewed sense of that passion. Again, Remembering that first love. Or or for some people, maybe you haven't experienced that yet. And we want to pray for you too. But first, for those that are feeling a bit down, feeling a bit fatigued in serving, in well-doing, right? You you have the fervor, you have the fire, you you're you're you 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 you're holding on to truth. And you're you're dispelling the lies of the enemy, but but you're battle fatigue. Because that takes energy and that takes effort. And right now I want to pray for you. Father God, we just thank you for those, Father God, that have stayed and stood in the gap for service unto you. But even right now, Father God, as they're standing, as they're serving, Father God, we pray that they continue to seek you, Father God, and they reconnect to the first time, the first captivation of love, Father God, that they felt for you. We pray that for them right now, Father God. We pray that they continue to not just serve, Father God, but they stay so connected to that passion, to that love for you, Father God, that it's a renewed service, it's a renewed strength, it's a renewed ability, Father God, to serve you like they've never served before, Father God. Bring them back to that place, Father God. It's in your son's name. We pray and we thank you and we praise you. Amen. And for those that, that you know what, you say you've never been captivated or maybe you say, you know, you're ready to, to step into that role. You're ready to step into having a passion for Jesus. You're ready to step into understanding what it is to be in the family of God. And you say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I've heard it said said like this, if you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. And I want you to repeat this prayer. Dear God, you loved us so much you made a choice. You gave your son Jesus. Now I have a choice. I'm not perfect. I've sinned. I declare that I believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. I believe he gave his life for me so I could have a relationship with you. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that you raised him from the dead. I give my life to you, Lord. Amen. And if you said that prayer wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, you just made the greatest decision of your life. But it's just the first step. Just the first step. You're about to experience some things and go through some things when you start to connect with Jesus. So I encourage you to stay connected to Vantage Point. Find a Bible-believing church. I, I'm, I'm very um, encouraging when it comes to our church, my church home, Ignite Church Tulsa. You can watch us online. You can connect with us if you're in the Tulsa area. But there are a lot of churches out there that if you connect with us at Vantage Point, it, we will definitely get you connected because now starts the journey. Now starts the passion 
And you're going to start being captivated all over again. You're going to start to understand what Jesus is talking about, this first love, this first connection point. So I encourage you as you begin this walk. Amen, amen, amen. And I want you to stay connected to us. We're going to be in this series through Easter, and we're going to continue to unpack these letters in the book of Revelation to the seven churches. And we're going to not only understand how they impact the church, but how they impact us as well. And I want you to stay connected. And as always, 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 keep seeking insight, keys, and perspectives for everyday living through the lens of God that will change your world and your life. God bless.